Blumenthal. Welcome to the 813 Area Podcast. Thanks very much. Glad to be here. So this is my first time in the Florida Funders Building. I walk in, there are all sorts of young people running around looking very busy in a very nice office. Um, tell me about Florida Funders and how you personally ended up here. Uh, Florida Funders um, has been an amazing journey. Uh, when I sold my my last company, Intelidon, to Tribridge in 2013, I had <clears throat> made the decision that I, I wasn't going to just go start or buy another company and run it, that I would be uh, at 50 at the time, an angel investor, a more active angel investor than I had been. So I began that journey. And um, to that end, I went and spent time at The Wave and a lot of other places where you would look for companies to invest in. During that time, I ran into uh, Dave Chittister and Lance Rabb who were two of the people who had sort of launched this uh, fledgling crowdfunding site called Florida Funders. And over about a six month period of time from first introduction to investment, uh, Tom Wallace and I, who a friend and now business partner in Florida Funders, decided to invest and support it and, uh, and get involved. And over that period of time from early, uh, middle, middle of 15, mm-hmm. we, we raised some capital in 16 and really it's been a, an incredible rocket ship since then. Uh, we now have about, uh, eight staff members and other eight people who are effective partners, if you will. And, and they volunteer and they spend their time without compensation. Wow. And, uh, we look at about a thousand companies a year. We invest in probably somewhere between 18 and 24. And we put about $10 million a year to work in those companies, uh, through both our committed capital fund and this curated crowd of right now, about a thousand accredited investors on the platform. So it's a, a blend, a hybrid approach. Um, and it's been, a, it's been incredible. So you talked about the company you sold to Tribridge. Tell me about that. And um, was that your first real entrepreneurial experience or was that like you, you, most entrepreneurs seem to be serial. It starts like almost in high school and works their way up. Where were you? Was that you? Yeah. Um, I never actually <laughs> worked for anybody. Wow. Um, I'm fundamentally unemployable. Uh, <laughs> so I, I, as a, as a kid, I grew up, my father had a jewelry store, uh, my friend's father's, I lived in Tom's River, New Jersey. So it's very common to have, uh, family businesses, you know, it's kind of a bedroom community to, uh, to New York or Philly. Mm-hmm. So most of my friends, you know, one guy's dad had a lumber yard and somebody else was a funeral home and somebody else was a restaurant and landscaping business. And my father had a jewelry store. So from the time I was like seven, I worked and then I, I, I started working for other people. So I've, you know, when I was a young person, I worked in restaurants, I shucked clams, I was a bartender, I waited tables, I worked in a funeral home, I um, had a landscaping company, I saw Christmas trees uh, and, and pretty much did a little bit of everything. Uh, so I didn't actually think there was another way to do anything. Uh, when I came to college at University of South Florida, I got a uh, co-op position with IBM National Accounts Division during the kind of the birth of the first PC that had a hard drive. And that was sort of like lightning in a bottle. Um, and by 1984, I was uh, full-time at school and full-time at IBM. And by 1985, I launched my first business before I ever graduated. Oh, wow. And so your experience from USF, have you been in Tampa the entire time since? I have. Because, really? Yeah. yeah, 1983, August of 83 was uh, my move-in date and uh, I never left. Wow. I love this place. It's And we'll talk about why Tampa is a, a great space to, to be building one, uh, to be building a business right now. Um, so you come over here, you look at a thousand different companies, but you're only investing in a small fraction. What what separates a company that is a right fit for Florida funders? What What is your sort of, what are you looking for? So, you know, every investment 
uh, every individual investor, every investment firm has a thesis. Um, mm-hmm. That thesis tends to be based um, in part on the stage of the business, in part on the uh, technology the business is in, and in part on the industry the business is in. And then there are a lot of other somewhat more subjective uh, measures of the uh, the team, the founding team, their tenacity, the way they work together, the total addressable market of the business that they're in. Our sweet spot is uh, what we refer to as seed with traction to their A round. Mm-hmm. Um, so most of those companies have been around for some period of time. Uh, could be a year. Could have been a few years. They have a team. So it's not one founder. It's a series of people that are operating. They are full-time in the business. They have burned the ships at shore, so to speak, <laughs> in Viking speak. Um, their total addressable market is large, usually north of a billion dollars. Okay. And um, we can see visibility to um, a uh, an exit that would allow us to make 10 times or more. And that is not greed. That is just the way it works in venture capital. If you don't, you'll never make any money because you're going to have enough zeros to to offset the ones that can't. So if you don't make 10, you won't make up for the ones that are zero. Um, and, and we're tech tech enabled. So we have to have businesses that scale and we're Florida focused. So we're a, a, a venture capital firm with a mission. Uh, the purpose of building Florida funders and the people that we got involved was to make a good return, but to make a good return while doing really good business in the state of Florida. So we want to keep our best and brightest here. We want to attract the best and brightest. We want businesses to be built here. So to that end, in order for a business to get an investment from Florida funders, they have to be correlated to Florida. Okay. That's be enough headcount, enough operations, enough customers to be making a difference in Florida, or it's not a Florida funders deal. Gotcha. So it, we talk about places like Silicon Valley and even abroad, like Tel Aviv, places that are really like sort of known for their ability to incubate a business and grow it. What is why is Tampa the next city on that list? What is here? What is in the water? What is in the, what is in the environment? What is making Tampa a place where that's great to grow a business right now? So the you know the irony of it is is Tampa's really always been a great place to grow a business and that's sort of you know I'm 54 in April I started my first company when I was 20 here I always found it a great place to do to do business and, and to build a business um, it's better today than it was you know in 1984 for sure and, and there are a lot of differences and I've personally studied. Those markets, Austin, Boulder, Silicon Valley, New York, Boston, Chicago, Cincinnati. Cincinnati, Uh, really? Yeah, Cincinnati. I'll give you some some color on that in a second. (laughs) Um, Pittsburgh, uh, even Detroit and Tel Aviv. There are elements that make those those cities, most of them are cities, by the way, very successful and thriving uh, early stage ecosystems and innovation economies. Tampa has... Uh, most all of the ingredients, I, I would say, you know, if you looked at this as a recipe, right, the Tampa Bay area and Florida as a whole in the aggregate, if you looked at totality of numbers, talented people, customers, capital, uh, universities, people matriculated in degree seeking programs, STEM, percentage wise of our population, we don't rank particularly well against most of those places. In totality, because we have 21 million people in the state, we get 158 new ones a day to Tampa, right. thousands of the state. We actually have great mass, a lot of mass. And sometimes you miss that in the percentage of total population. But there's a lot of money here. There's a lot of talent here. There's a lot of customers here. There's a tr- We have 19 research institutions in the state. So those raw materials are being created. 
what we um, have a lack of is a coordinated methodology, a, a, a framework for how those things find each other and, and how connections are made and, and sequences. And what a lot of people don't realize is those other cities, none of them are as large as the Tampa Bay area geographically. And then by population, actually, it's also we, we have a lot more people, a lot more people, a lot more new people. We're a lot more spread out. There's a lot of variables that make us different. We have we have a lot of advantages too. our cost of living is spectacular. Our weather is spectacular. Our quality of life is spectacular. Our people, whether they be business people or, um, you know, students or professors or, you know, just wonderful people are like the nicest people in the world. And. You know, it sounds a little cliche, but approachability and sort of that pay it forward, I'm going to help a young person out attitude is very helpful. I I received that when I was building my business. And that's, you know, one of the things that I love about this place is that you can go get a meeting with almost anybody and, and, and they'll give you some advice and counsel and pat you on the back. And, and uh, that doesn't exist in a lot of places. So when you look at that and you and then you look at the number of middle market companies and large companies you have and the diverse industries we have here and SOCOM and CENTCOM and defense innovation, space is here. <laughs> you know, um, we have we have a space coast. We have um, we have that. We have tremendous sports and entertainment. We have tremendous healthcare. We have uh, advertising technology. We have distribution, restaurant, hospitality, real estate. There's a lot of things that we do really well here in this region, here in the state that are leverageable when you have a framework. Mm-hmm. And that framework is the ability to find the right person, right organization, right customer, right IP at the right time. That's what's harder here. Okay. It's harder here because there's more of it, more spread out. You're further, you're, you're a greater number of degrees of separation away from that right next technical co-founder, that right next customer, the right intellectual property that you think might be at USF, but it could be at UCF. It could be at FSU. It could be at UF. It could be at Moffitt. It could be at Florida Hospital. You don't know. And, and it's hard to go find it. Um, so we have a tremendous amount of success here, but in many ways, the only the, the toughest, most tenacious most resourceful people end up bubbling to the top. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's a gauntlet that entrepreneurs should be able to run. But in other places, there's an efficiency about the framework and the connectivity that allow people to either fail forward faster, right? It's good to fail. You learn from it. Right. Or they succeed faster. Then they exit faster. Then they build the next one or the money that's created, the wealth that's created launches other businesses. In other markets, we talk about Silicon Valley as an example or Austin. There's a propensity for the more mature companies, the larger companies, to do business with the brand new companies in some form. They may not bank their whole business on them, but Facebook and Google and Tesla and Amazon were young companies not that long ago. It's in their DNA to go say, hey, Billy and Johnny and Sally, I know you're only working out of your garage and I know that you've only got an MVP, but we're going to do a project with you. It's going to be a small project, but we're going to give you the opportunity because we think you're smart and we think you can help us solve a problem. That doesn't happen here enough. Okay. That allows people to either fail faster or refine and pivot. And they get 
better, faster. Usually that's what happens. So we're missing some things, but they're happening. And, um, you know, we're, re- we're, we're reaching sort of that critical mass where there's enough success here, uh, enough companies getting B rounds, homey on demand, <coughs> pure fit, a couple of good examples, enough, um, the maturity of our incubation and accelerator programs are starting to really develop a lot of investment. The, you know, the things that Jeff Finnick is doing and what Lakshmi is, is coming in to do will really begin to up the game. FIBA, the Florida Israeli Business Accelerator is really up the game with more mature companies with technology coming from Israel here to set up operations um, in in the United States, here in the Tampa Bay area, like STEMRAD and connecting with our infrastructure, our customers, our talent, our capital. Those things are really working well now. So we'll we'll get back around, but talk about Synapse and why Synapse is the yeah. because Synapse is the I mean the word is about that connectivity. That's yeah, what it was yeah. built for is to connect businesses and, and to, yeah. to bridge that gap that you're trying to, to talking about. So um, you know, uh, and it's sort of Synapse Synapse. I'm not sure tomato tomato. Uh, okay, it, I mean I, 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 <laughs> bo- I think both are are right. I call it Synapse for whatever reason, but. Um, you know, the story of Synapse is, is, is pretty fascinating. What, how it happened is when, when I was spending 100% of my time on investing and, and all, all of what goes into it, and as we've indicated, there's a lot that goes into it even before you invest, right? You have to find enough to find the ones that you want, then you make the investments, you gotta find investors, it's, it's a lot of work. I ran around the Tampa Bay area for the first time in my career, like full time, looking at early stage companies, entrepreneurs, the educational institutions, the accelerators, the incubators, the pitch competitions. And I I spent all of my time doing that and all around the state. And I found I observed a number of things. One is the I met amazing, talented, passionate, committed people both in the entrepreneurial support organizations and the entrepreneurs, the educational institutions, the entrepreneurship students, just, it was incredible. You know, remembering a time when I went to school, we didn't have entrepreneurship programs. In fact, I was ridiculed for starting a company while I was in school. I was an outcast that I didn't go to work for EDS or Pricewaterhouse or IBM. They all looked at me like I was out of my mind that I didn't (laughs) interview with IBM. It's a different time now, it's a very different time. So I was astounded in a very positive way. I'm like, wow, there's more here than I even imagined it. Yet on the other hand, it became really clear to me that it was a very difficult series of uh, of events, people, things, process to, to navigate. It was a lot of work. You needed to show up to a lot of like get togethers, a lot of pitch competitions, a lot of meetups, and all they're all fun, but they're they're only fun for the small percentage of the population who who play the game. I, I call us groupies, <laughs> right? We would go, we'd hang out in the rain and the mud and we'd watch our favorite band no matter what. But ultimately, if you want to grow the market, you got to engage the other people, the ones that are busy doing other things and they would rather be, um, they'd rather make whatever time they spend to be highly impactful and meaningful. And so I kind of observed personally, anecdotally that, there was a lot of dissipated energy, a lot of wasted time and money and talent on efforts that were uncoordinated across a region. So that was my observation. In November 2016, the University of Tampa Entrepreneurship Center, along with the Kaufman Foundation, commissioned a report of the five-county MSA of this region. 
might've been seven counties. And they basically said that there were 64 entrepreneurial support organizations. They sort of stack ranked us and where we were in entrepreneurship and innovation. And we didn't fare that well, but their observation was you've got all the raw materials. You just have to start coordinating them. And, and that sort of was an aha moment for me. It was sort of like a validation of my own anecdotal experience. And for whatever reason, it frustrated me. I felt like, you know, the, the mission that we have at Florida Funders is to keep our best and brightest here, get them back. Our, we're all older than the average entrepreneurs, right? So we, our kids are in college or out. So um, it's not uncommon for our friends, uh, Tom and I, for example, to have sent their kids off to college somewhere oftentimes somewhere else, like my son went to GW, right? And Tom's daughter goes to Auburn. You want to, you'd like to have them come back if they could, or if they want, but opportunity sometimes doesn't appear. It's either not visible or it's not here. So, I mean, to that end, my son now lives in San Francisco and works for Microsoft. Oh, wow. Which is great. It's a phenomenal career and, and we visit each other plenty, but I'd like him to be able to come back here. And so metaphorically, my son is representative of everybody's son and daughter or grandson and granddaughter. So the idea behind that is we should have an economy here that's as good as anywhere to be able to create the kind of opportunities that our kids and grandkids would want to come back to if they wanted. doesn't mean they shouldn't live somewhere else. But if they want, it would be nice. And to that end is kind of what motivated me to launch this Synapse nonprofit organization with Andy Hafer and Brian Kornfeld and what is an army of phenomenal volunteers and staff and contractors to build out um, this innovation summit, the Synapse Innovation Summit on March 28th and 29th, and ultimately to launch the Synapse platform, which shrinks our region and shrinks the state of Florida virtually to allow those same connections that happen in Austin, Boulder, Silicon Valley, Pittsburgh, and yes, Cincinnati, (laughs) that happen rapidly and effectively, you know, high value, right person, right org, right time, as a result of both the methods, the sort of the framework that exists there, and the fact that they're physically so small, and there's often a place to go first, a physical place to go, like 1871 in Chicago, like Startup Nation Central in, in Tel Aviv. There's uh, in, in uh, Raleigh Dorham, the American Tobacco Underground. There's always a place that you could start your journey if you're in that city and, and get connected pretty quickly. We don't have that here. Partly is we're so spread out. Partly is, you know, we have our counties um, don't collaborate as much. So, you know, if if you talk to Linda Olson, Linda would say Waves the first place you go. Right. If you talk to Jeff Vinnick or Lakshmi Shinoi, I'm sure they're going to say the hub is the first place to go. If you talk to Tanya, she's going to say Tech Garage is the first place to go. Um, if you talk to Rebecca White, she's going to say the eighth floor of the uh, Loweth Center at University of Tampa is to go. If you talk to Valerie McDevitt, she's going to say USF Connect. None of them are wrong. But if you can't, they can't all be the first step on everybody's journey or people will go, it's just too much work. <laughs> right. So our job at Synapse is to make the first step of the journey. The virtual journey is to come to synapsefl.com and answer a series of questions. And then we will get you to the right place, right? People, right company, right talent, right accelerator, right incubator, right university program, right intellectual, intellectual property that's being incubated in one of the research institutions, right customer, right innovation challenge, right program. 
And that's sort of the magic of it. So the Innovation Summit, which is March 28th and 29th at MLA Arena, a two-day event. I believe there's going to be, a, I heard, 150 different presentations, 150 different breakout so, sessions. Actually, so uh, look, there's there's will be 210 to 220 exhibitors. Okay. Uh, most of those uh, will be um, organized by hub or pavilion around the promenade section, the whole large oval around on the first level of the arena. So we have... 54 breakout sessions that will run mostly from the club level of the arena during the two days. And I believe in each of the pavilions, there'll be about a dozen expert talks from the stage in the pavilion, uh, which is the, sort of the hubs around the promenade. So I, I don't know what the math is, but there'll be over a dozen uh, main stage speakers and topics. Um, it, it's, a, it's a purpose-built event around a number of, uh, of concepts. Um, one concept is trying to bring all of the people together, all of the roles, I sometimes refer to them as personas in our model. We have eight, right? The investor, the entrepreneur, educational institutions, which are also research institutions, government, talent as a pool, the innovation enablers, which are basically the service providers, the innovation challengers, which are the more mature companies in the region, and um, the entrepreneurial support organizations, the accelerators, the incubators, the co-working spaces, the programs that are out there. Those eight groups, sometimes they're orgs and sometimes they're people, they're all in one, one place now. We're going to put them in the arena for two days. And then we're going to bring those people together across technologies and across industries and across stages. So that's never been done before. So we're gonna have defense innovation from SOCOM and Softworks in, in an area. We're gonna have blockchain innovation with block spaces and probably over 12 blockchain companies there represented. We're gonna have health, wellness, biotech, um, digital health, in one pavilion representing companies across stages, across industries using different technologies. We're gonna have um, AI and machine learning and 3D printing and robotics and all other sort of augmented reality, virtual reality, gaming in another pavilion. And we're gonna have um, a whole STEM pavilion to show what our young people are working on in high schools and technical schools in one place. And people are gonna be able to walk around the promenade and see that there's tremendous commonality from what SOCOM is working on and what Tico needs to work on. Because a lot of our technologies, whether it's AR, VR, whether it's AI and machine learning, whether it's 3D printing, whether it's cyber, um, drones have multiple use cases. And, and sometimes people get siloed inadvertently in their industry. I'm a DOD guy, so I'm all about defense. But the reality is you're not. You don't have to be unless you want to be. I'm a healthcare guy. Great. It's good to be in healthcare, but you're going to find pretty quickly that a lot of the technology that's used in healthcare works in other industries and that there's a, a benefit, a benefit to the talent pool, mm -hmm. their own development. There's a benefit to the investor pool to understand. And there's a benefit to the more mature companies who consume this innovation or talent to, to make a difference in their business or to be bought from an M&A perspective. So we're, we're kind of crafting that. So part of what we're doing is about inspiration. 
right? We're, we're bringing some of the, you know, very amazing people. Jeff Vinnick is going to open Arnie Bellini from the CEO ConnectWise who built a more than a billion dollar valuation company here, tech, software as a service that most people don't even realize or know about. The the same people who say you can't build a unicorn here or we don't have one, well, we do. So he's gonna break the proverbial four minute mile. And then we've got Bernie Meyerson, the chief innovation officer from IBM, one of the architects of Watson, who's gonna come and he's gonna talk to us about the next five years and sort of what AI and and what, what what's really being worked on around the world and how it can impact our region and what's gonna happen and it's gonna be tremendous. And then we have Colonel uh, Josh Potter, who is uh, SOCOM's uh, Navy SEAL colonel, who really owns the cybersecurity, blockchain, cryptocurrency space from the perspective of protecting our country. Um, so he uses the, he understands the dark side of that technology and how to hunt down bad guys around the world and says some great stories on, on, um, on sort of the alternate side of, of the technology and how, how we're using it to hunt down the bad guys and how the bad guys are using it to hurt us, right? Um, the breakout sessions are gonna be deep into um, topics around blockchain, around um, digital health, uh, around raising capital, around the Tax Reform Act and the implications to tech and R&D, around the commercialization of IP. And we're going to have uh, Tim Wright, the CEO of M2Gen, which is a biotech informatics company here that just raised $75 million. Technology out of Moffitt, building that company here. And um, he, he's his job is to, to remind people that you can build it here. He moved from Boston to build one here. And so the, the speakers that we have, Uber, and Tesla coming in and demonstrating some of their technology and talking about the future of power, not just kind of what they have today, but where everything's going in the market, the future of mobility, the implications of transportation in our area. We're hoping to nail down the guys from Hyperloop to come. Wow. Which I hope in the next 24 hours, I'll be able to report to you that we've got <laughs> them to really close the, the, the second day session and talk about what they're doing around the world and how the, the reality of moving at a little over a thousand kilometers an hour in a tube um, from city to city is not that far away. Just exciting. And then like every good event, like every city that everybody talks about, whether it's Austin or San Francisco, when you do an event, you got to have a big party. Okay, so we are going to have the Synapse Social on Thunder Alley on Wednesday night, six o'clock. Everybody wanders out to the alley. We've got bars open. We've got a taste of Tampa from regional restaurants. So we're going to be allowing people to sample food from all our great restaurants. Um, we're going to have live music uh, and we're going to have uh, DJ Fresh. Uh, from the Rays come and he's going to uh, sort of MC and, and DJ. We're going to have uh, uh, the film uh, running um, all different kinds of, uh, of montage uh, pieces that uh, Diamond View is putting together for uh, the um, on the wall, on the big projector wall on Thunder Alley. And we're going to have a great time and we're going to celebrate innovation and talent in our region. And we're going to make this sort of that landmark event that everybody expects to go to the, the following year, like so many other great people have done around arts and around music, Esperilla Music Festival, you know, all those things are awesome. They make this place fantastic. Well, we're gonna do it around innovation and we're gonna do it around talent and we're gonna do it around tech 
because it touches everything and it is the core of an economic driver. It's where most of our job growth is going to come from. It's it's the answer to everything because good, high paying jobs from young, smart people who are working in young, energetic entrepreneurial companies are the engine of a, of a region, of a state. So that ensures that houses get bought and apartments get rented and cars get bought and businesses get built and exits happen and it happens all over again. And so Synapse and, and Synapse Innovation Summit is really about helping to spark that, to just make it happen a little bit faster, a little bit easier, and to allow the people who aren't the groupies <laughs> to get engaged in a meaningful way. So if you're running a big HVAC company, you can procure some innovation. You can issue a challenge. Maybe you could make an investment through a firm like a Florida Funders. Maybe you can coach and mentor somebody. You don't have to go to a pitch competition. You don't have to be a business plan judge. You don't have to go to every event. You can go where it matters. In some cases, if you're an HVAC contractor or an architect and engineering firm, you might always have been sort of excluded or not even think that it's a part of what you do. Yet, if you look at, say, the urban tech and the, the Dream It cohort for urban tech, it's very very related to what you do. Innovation touches everything. It, you can more efficiently run an air conditioning system. You can recycle the water. You can. There are things that have an impact on your bottom line, on the happiness of your customers, on the sustainability of your company. Tech isn't just software and chips. It's it's really everything, right? Absolutely. That's what, and that's where we're heading. And so you talk about young, smart people. One of the things that you're doing with the Innovation Summit is you're offering a thousand scholarships to students college students in the Tampa Bay area, or I guess anywhere in Florida, I guess you can be a student anywhere and go. Yeah. You know, I think we're, we're trying to focus a little bit on the Tampa Bay regional area, which includes Polytech and USF and mm -hmm. um, USF St. Pete and St. Pete College and University of Tampa. But we're not going to exclude anyone. Uh, we, we think that, you know, Tampa is a pretty special place, but so so is Orlando and Miami and Lauderdale and Boca and all these other great places in in our great state. And we think that the strength of Tampa and the strength is the strength of Florida. And we think the strength of Miami is the strength of Tampa. So ultimately, we want to interconnect the state because our universities, our talent pool. Think about it. Investors don't care. Generally, customers don't care. Innovation doesn't really care. And talent doesn't care. Ultimately, I mean, care a little bit. It's, you know, people like to be proud of their city or their region. But in the end, for a company to thrive and prosper, you have to have success and, and it has to come from lots of different places. And I, you know, one of the cool presenters that we have is, is Ed Buckley, um, the CEO of PureFit, is going to present on day one. And he's going to talk about the PureFit journey, which is a perfect example of, of how, do you, how, do, how do you become the, the entrepreneur of Florida? You know, he started his company at the University of Florida while he was in the PhD program. It incubated there a little bit of investment, connected to some folks and customers in Jacksonville, came down, did the health box cohort in Orlando, got connected with Florida Blue and Guidewell, came, got connected with Wave in Tampa. Then Florida funders came in and invested. Um, now he's got talent all over the state and all over the country. He's got investors all over the state. He's headquartered in Tampa. He's doing business with Aetna on a national level, partnerships with some amazing national companies like an Orange Theory and, and, and um, other other fitness studios around the around the country. Um, a, a last round led by um, a B round of uh, over $10 million led by Jeff Vinnick. 
if that Ed Buckley Purefit story is the Florida entrepreneur story, they're not all going to just camp completely in Tampa. They're going to come from other places. They're going to get customers and investors and advisors um, and talent and money from those other places. So ultimately, the interconnected nature of our state is, in fact, one of the strengths that we have uh, because there's a lot of great cities in this state. And a lot of great regions and our university talent pools come from, you know, we've got to we got to count on FSU and UF to crank out talent. They're not all going to stay in Tallahassee or Gainesville. They have to go somewhere. Right. right. We want them to stay in Florida. As a USF grad, it was the running joke. Everyone leaves after they graduate. Everyone, they go to New York, L.A., Chicago, wherever. And then they all come back because they, <laughs> they go up there right. and they, they realize that you can do just as much here as you could there. And the weather's a heck of a lot better. It's a lot cheaper to live. It's, your friends are here. You can build a business here. And it just seems like there's so many people that 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 come from this talent pool. And yeah, they might go away for a while and get a little experience yeah. and learn and come home. And that's and what you're building here is helping them come back even sooner. Absolutely. So and you know, the, the other thing that a lot of people don't, you know, connect is the visibility of who the customers are, who are the drivers of the need for innovation. Like we have the biggest, coolest driver of innovation in the entire world right here in Tampa. Which is? Special Operations Command. Yeah. And a lot of people don't even think about it. That's true. Some people actually don't know it. But most of what SOCOM does has little to do with kill and capture. The movies are all about kill and capture. The stories are all about kill and capture. But if you talk to our special operators and you talk to the commanders, you'll find out that the vast majority of what they do is they train, they organize, they create infrastructure, um, they build cities and hospitals. They, they have to solve a lot of different problems. They hunt down bad guys with cyber. They are at the tip of the spear, but the spear isn't always a spear. And so if you look at what's being worked on at Softworks in Ybor City, their innovation center, you'll, you'll find amazing commonality, drones, AI, machine learning, uh, wearables, things that have as much or more commercial use case. And so you have... You have SOCOM that, and, and you have the big companies, whether it's a Raymond James or a Sykes or a Tech Data or a Triad or Catalina, name all those great organizations that are here that are consumers. They need to have innovation done. And the best people to innovate are the innovators and entrepreneurs. And then if you look at what 19 research institutions, including our great University of South Florida and our great Moffitt, crank out in terms of IP and the infrastructure and what they have available to be tweaked and commercialized is amazing. The objective is to have it tweaked and commercialized here, not make its way up I-75 or I-95 out of the state where a lot of it goes. My friend, uh, Jim Steichleather, who's at the University of South Florida now, but he was the uh, chief innovation officer for Dell and Pro Systems before that. Jim calls it the total value of IP. Mm -hmm. The total value of IP is the economic value to the university and the investors plus all of the intangible economic and benefit to the community in which the company and the IP is fostered and built. So the fact that M2Gen is happening here and the fact that other technology that's being done at University of South Florida or at Moffitt and other places can be built here makes a giant difference. 
because now you have more people locate here or stay here, whether they be scientists or engineers, that matters. You know, SOCOM with SoftWorks has this amazing project with these cube satellites that are about the size of a toaster oven. Wow. And they're being launched. They're going to be launched, right? And there's 20 or 25 USF engineering interns working at SoftWorks on these satellites. Amazing. If I surveyed 99 out of 100 people, nobody would even know that there are satellites being made here. I let know. alone that the University of South Florida has a partnership with SoftWorks and their students get to work on launched satellites for the military. Standing next to special operators and people who work for large companies like Northrop and Harris. They wouldn't say it exists here, yet it does. So part of the first thing we need to do is make everything that we do really well visible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we can make it visible, you can be found. And then if you can make it easy to find, like a platform like Synapse or an innovation summit where you can walk around one promenade, learn and, and connect, you will find what you're looking for whatever that might be. And then the coolest thing that we're doing or one of the coolest things we're doing is Metro Ministries, Metropolitan Ministries, the greatest social services org that I've ever seen, doing phenomenal work, touching so many lives. Their social entrepreneurship program, which is called Inside the Box, it's a complete catering now and restaurant operation. And it's delicious. It's delicious, (laughs) it's fantastic. Along with a culinary institute because what it's doing is it's training their clients, who are these people who have a tremendous need, they're on the edge of homelessness or in homelessness, and they need skills and they need to get their life back. And this is a tool to do it. And, and it's so it's just so amazing. So every attendee is being fed both days by Metropolitan Ministries inside the box. It's going to be fantastic. And on top of that, the people who are doing the Taste of Tampa um, on the um, on the Thunder Alley Plaza are all the the partners of Metro Ministries who who hire the graduates of the Culinary Institute. So it's this beautiful way to give back and to and to, to bring together social entrepreneurship and tech and innovation and food innovation together in one big event and show people how it it really is pervasive. It's if you if you think about it and you make the connections, you just take a little bit of time where we can light this place on fire. So that goes to to my last question, which is we always ask people, this is the 813 area podcast. So we want to ask people, you're in an elevator. What's your 30 second pitch? You're trying to you're trying to lure a business to Tampa. We have people pitch it in a different way, but you're trying to bring a business to Tampa from some other location. Give them your 30 second elevator pitch as to why they should start here or relocate here. Yeah. So, you know, in terms of some of the smartest and nicest people I know are here, the quality of life is amazing. The ability to come and integrate into this community and be a member of the community. You can look at Jeff Finnick as a perfect example. He adopted this area code, right? Right. And and then it adopted him. And, you know, he didn't need to do it. And, and the area didn't need to do it. And there are a lot of cities that wouldn't have opened their arms quite the same way this one has. But you don't have to be Jeff Finnick to do that. You can be a person who just graduated from college. You can be a person who is 52 and you're relocating because your elderly parents are nearby. You'll be welcomed. There'll be opportunities for you to get connected. And in terms of the business climate, it doesn't get any better. It's a phenomenal quality of life. It's easy to attract 
team members to want to come here or to find the talent that is here and to grow the business and to not have an excessive overhead associated with ensuring that either the transportation cost or the cost of living or the burden of income tax, state income tax, is a drag on your ability to execute because we have a relatively low cost of living compared to virtually every other place that we're ranked against. So that manifests itself. I've had people tell me that you know, they built their business here. They couldn't have done it. You know what they their their quality of team member and the loyalty. Right. You know, my son who lives in San Francisco, we talked about it. I'm over 30 seconds, aren't I? Um, <laughs> you know, he gets a call from a recruiter every day to leave Microsoft. And, and you know, that's not like they can call people in Tampa, too. But the the, the consistency factor, the idea that your, your team is going to be aligned with your mission and your values and want to stay as long as you just do the right thing it, it is, is it's amazing what you can create here. Absolutely. Uh, Mark, I can't thank you enough for the time. Innovation Summit, March 28th, 29th at Emily Arena. If you are any part of this community, if you are someone who doesn't even have a lot of interest in tech, but want to learn, it's going to be a, a, a wholly, fully inclusive event. Um, tickets are on sale now at SynapseFL.com. SynapseSummit.com. SynapseSummit.com. You can learn more about Synapse at SynapseFL.com, but Synapse Summit is the summit site. Tickets are on sale. If you're active duty military, if you're a student, they're $49. Um, that includes meals and snacks and full access um, both days, including the Thunder Alley party. It, uh, if you're, uh, the student scholarships are, are available through universities and you'll start to see social media. So if you're enrolled um, in one of the universities or colleges here in the region, you'll be able to apply for one of those thousand dollar, thousand grants, excuse me, or, or scholarships that both are sponsored by um, our friends at ConnectWise and Synapse to underwrite the cost of, of attending. And it's, uh, it's going to be a fantastic event. I encourage everybody to come. Can't wait. Can't wait to be a part of it. Thank you so much, Mark. Thanks for that. Thanks Thank for doing this. Thank you. 